Hi, I'm Richie Mackay. And I'm David Bolt, and you are listening to The Wrong Bias Podcast. And on today's show, we have former world champion Mark Dawes from Lancashire. We also have on the show Ian McCombs from Just Ball. We also have our competition sponsored by Alex Marshall Sports. And Mark Dawes will also take on the fantastic Balls of Balls Challenge. <laughs> you just lift that Balls of Balls, didn't you? <laughs> From getting ditched after week two, it's no hit, no big hit. <laughs> uh, we might give it a couple more weeks and I'll think of something else. <laughs> I might put it as a poll. A poll. Do you want oh, seven up questions? Do you prefer seven up questions on balls or balls? <laughs> well, we'll, we'll change it to bollocks and horse. Aye, that makes me better, aye. Again, show number 19, bronze is our wedding anniversary, mate. Bronze, bronze, bronze. Bronze, bronze. My favourite colour. <laughs> we've got a couple we've got a couple sitting on the mantelpiece somewhere we have if I, if I was getting married I'd definitely be the bridesmaid definitely not the bride <laughs> there would be a bronze statue of David Bold in Silksworth Balls Club <laughs> it'll be vandalised within two days <laughs> anyway it was it was a case of sods law our last recording we got on about Sun and Council not opening up the grains and they decided to open up the greens after our recording, mate. So they did, literally, literally within a couple of days, wasn't it? They did, mate. So tempt, let's tempt fate. If if we can have that bit influence, here's the national lottery numbers, folks, for next week: <laughs> six, ten, fifteen, twenty-four, thirty-one. And forty-two. You do know we're gonna we're gonna get a lot of abusive emails now for wasting people's two pounds, don't you? We probably have, but how many people will actually put them on now? I'm going to have to put it on now. <laughs> uh, it's uh, it certainly hasn't it hasn't come with its difficulties though, has it? Since no. they've opened the greens, I know yours in particular. You've you've got a few issues with your green, and obviously we cannot access the clubhouses at the minute, so yeah. it's all still it's, up in the air. It's frustrating because you would expect your greens to be in in decent condition and. And ours just looks like a dog's dinner. It happens every year. They're good at it. I must admit, they are good at it. We get a hot week, and they are, it gets burnt, mate. They, yeah. They have worked on it, and it, it does look a lot better. But it'll not open this season. We'll get a, hopefully, we'll get it back for next year. Definitely. I was actually quite quite surprised. I was the other day. I was I was got a bit of a burning, but I went down the other day, and it's it's not looking too bad. I was hair gate going. Hair gate. Counting down the days, mate. Counting down the days. I've, I've I've been told I've got to wash it before I go to get the strimmer out. Well, I must admit, when when I saw you on Zoom, I wasn't sure whether it was Richie McKay or Bob Geldof <laughs> <laughs> I told you earlier on the headwind this morning I was out the wind it was I was like uh, Alan Ginzine it was <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was blown in the wind, mate. I was lathers. <laughs> it's murder. Uh, you, it's murder, mate. You definitely, definitely have everything crossed up. There's not got to be a local lockdown oh. again, otherwise we'll not be able to see you. Oh, I'd be any good at all, mate. Be any good at all. I'm putting Dave Peterson to shame now. I've got more hair than Dave. I bet you Dave's on a trim. I can guarantee Karen will be laughing our heads off of that now. <laughs> Anyway, on a sad note, Nancy Collin, 101 MBA, sadly passed away. 
Um, yeah, I saw that the other day. It's, it's always sad. She was obviously a, a massive part of boards within England. The EWBA president, and she was secretary for 22 years. So she did her time. Put it. She's one of the few people who put something back to the sport, mate. Yeah, it's um, always it's always sad, and like I say, especially. We, we see it regularly in our sport, but somebody who was very influential in, in what she did, and like you say, she, she obviously put a lot back in, so it's a sad news. We hear your people who say that the sport needs to change. Well, I'm, I'm sure Nancy would have had a list as long as her arm on the changes that she's seen her through the days. I mean, she won her first singles 1959 or something like that. The changes, the, the white gloves, the starched hats, the six inches at the front, the plates, and it's big changes, mate, big changes. Former world indoor champion, Mark Dawes. Take one. The clues in the title. And it's great to introduce... Oh, I'll start that again. That was a oh, there's, a, there's a blue back. Mark, this is what I've got to work with, you know. Amateur, oh. <laughs> amateur. Make up, make up. What with, having, <laughs> what with having his pussy on his knee? What's going on? <laughs> oh. uh, you don't need to know, Mark. Just I don't, no. <laughs> <laughs> and now it is time to catch up with Mark Dawes. Right. right, and it's great to have Mark Dawes on the podcast. Mark, I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. No problem, baby. We're going to go straight into this, Mark, because I think it's a bit of a hot topic at the minute. And um, there's quite a lot of talk about it via social media, and it was a shock to a lot of people. Where obviously you are part of Blackpool Newton Hall Indoor Bowling Club, which recently we've just seen basically going to close the doors, leaving Lancashire Bowls indoors in a, in a bit of a predicament. Do you want to just give us a, a little bit of an update on that, Mark, as to how it's all come about and, you know, what a massive effect it's going to have on you guys? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it was as much of a shock to me as it was for anybody else, um, to be honest with you. I fortunately, obviously, know that manager Jonathan very well, been there playing for a number of years, played with him as well. So he gave me a little bit of a heads up on the Monday I think it was that what was going to come out and then by Tuesday we all the club members had a letter basically saying due to the virus uh, and due to the potential of the membership dropping down and the financial impact that might have that they wouldn't be reopening come September or October or whenever that that may, may well have been. So yeah I mean it was a massive shock to the system there's possibly been rumblings before because of how it works as opposed to normal for the people who don't know for the people the normal bowls club uh, just you know standalone bowls club it isn't like that it's on a caravan site so the owners of the uh, caravan site probably historically have had an interest in bowls maybe their their grandfather who actually created the club uh, was the, the main driving force in the bowls club and um, from then it, it's kind of been obviously passed down unfortunately he passed away a few years ago so probably the interest in bowls has waned a little bit and unfortunately the current kind of climate has meant that it's almost given them reason to look elsewhere and look look for other things that can perhaps make more money and from a business point of view i don't necessarily blame them for that i, I would probably have rather had a little bit more notice than, than what we got as a club member really um but can understand it the bigger problem i mean that in itself would be an issue but there is like no clubs now in the county uh and if you i mean i live just north of manchester my nearest club actually is leeds which is probably 50 miles away from me 
And if you live in Blackpool, the nearest club's probably 70 to 80 miles away. So if your average club member, uh, you know, we probably had three, four, five hundred members, those people just, just simply can't get the facilities and, and their livelihood has been taken away. So it's those people I feel really sorry for. The competitive bowlers, it's going to be really difficult for us moving on. But um, yeah, the, the club bowlers, the, the, the people who like, you know, it, it is their life. And, and, and I feel really sorry for them because they had little notice and, you know, and they've got little option for what to do in the winter really yeah and I suppose <sighs> devil's advocate it's like it's not like a council's close you down or a sports centre close you down I suppose in that position it's not great you know it's, it's certainly not great it's a massive loss to so many people but then businesses have got to make money and if there's been an issue there where that business is going to make isn't making money or potentially they're not making enough to sustain then would the four or five hundred bowlers pull them out of it if they would potentially go under that's the me sitting on the wall bit but from the sports point of view it is huge blow for Lancashire Bowls it's don't know whether you know this situation is going to give Lancashire Bowls a kick up the backside to say well do we look for somewhere else are we going to try and create a new venue somewhere whatever that may be but it's it's seen a massive decline hasn't it over the last 10 years both indoors and outdoors oh definitely I mean I think someone put on uh, social media I think it was only 20 years ago they won the Liberty Trophy the indoor county championship or oh, six seven years since we even entered the competition you know so it has been on a steady decline and and you can see I mean like I say from the business point of view it, you know a balls club isn't going to make a lot of money you know, generally, there's probably a few exceptions, but, you know, in the main, certainly in this country, he isn't going to make a lot of money. So I can understand that. It's just probably the situation it's left us in with, with nothing. It's probably, certainly given the, the outdoor side, kick it to the backside, the need to think, hang on a minute, this could happen to us as well, kind of thing. So, yeah, there's maybe that. That's maybe a positive to take out of it, that it's, it's given them kind of pre-warning. But it's just, it's interesting, really, because you've got so many people play crown green in the area. That I'm just amazed that there's not more people that do want to play in the winter, even if it's just a past the time and, and yeah. not necessarily to take it seriously but those it's not the serious members that you need it's the, it's the people who are willing to come in two and three times a week you know pay, pay their inkage and are quite happy to do that you know year in year out kind of thing so yeah it's it's not a good situation and I'm not really certain where uh, where we go next to be honest do the um, do the caravan park not get sort of any kickbacks from members from families staying there for coming up to see them and maybe use the holiday park as somewhere to stay or you know is there is there not a joint sort of venture there where they benefit from the bowlers being at that site a, a little bit a couple of the bowlers actually bought caravans on the site the caravan site is generally a lot of owners that go on there rather than necessarily that benefit rented out for just holidays but no there's probably a few that did actually get caravans on site when they were up there but it's not probably as much enough to make it a you know a massive impact on their decision really so on the, on the flip side of that mark is the none of the owners of the caravan do they tend to come in and use the bowls facility at any time a few maybe have shown interest but no not many i mean typically it's young you know younger families who've not you know not been you know they might pop the head in through the door but maybe don't get on the green and that's possibly a, a thing that we could have done better as a club i mean i'm possibly guilty of that from being somebody who's in the club as well but i'm not sure you know the other activities you know obviously a seaside town you know people coming in it is closed part of the time through the winter as well the caravan site for two or three months so I would say I busier periods when it might entice people in, the caravan site's actually closed. So 
you know, you're looking at people offside then anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just think it's probably steady, steady decline that's been just, you know, the unfortunately this current climate with the virus has really kind of pushed that, you know, two three years, you know, further on than it might have been. You know, it might. Yeah. Have couple of years and, and maybe they might have said well you know you need to improve your membership you know look at look at you know membership drives and things like that to get people in uh, but ultimately i think that the business decision was that you know that that's that's the way they wanted to go and, and use it for something else you know and, and which potentially would benefit both the caravan site and potentially make them more money from outside people coming in did the club actually have leagues on mark or was it was it well used or um yeah probably not as as, you know, I probably noticed a decline. I've been going up there for well, 15 years now. It is. I've been Yeah, I probably noticed a little bit. You know, it's typical in a lot of clubs. It's the same old people, yeah. and and perhaps because it was you know owned by somebody else, there probably wasn't a committee of people that perhaps could have pushed right. it on a little bit more because that wasn't the setup of the club. And um, but yeah, there's, there were clubs involved, and and you know, obviously before the the, the virus, we were, we were you know finishing leagues off and things like that, and getting to that point, and everyone was you know working towards you know next season really, you know national entries have been put in and things like that. No real kind of notion of anything happening until we got the letter on you know a couple. Of- I was just, just going to say, is, is there anywhere else at all where you think we could potentially house four rinks or three rinks? Or? There's a there's a couple of places. Where I started playing, uh, which is just north of Manchester, called Swinton, they've not affiliated for a few years and that's still in existence. It must be better now that the smoking bans come in because there used to be a nice film of smoke that used to come. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say this, but it's got to be better than it was. Um, there's one at Oldham as well, which actually is quite well. That's in the leisure centre. I'm not 100% certain of the setup, but I think it's four rings and it's quite popular. Apparently, uh, people can just go and pay and play. And, and in fairness, Crown Greeners generally um, are pretty tight. I'm a Crown Greener myself, so I know, I know <laughs> they don't like to part with their money. So the fact that they don't have to pay a membership and they can just go and pay to play, you know, they quite like that yeah. idea. So they've got quite a few members, but it's not members as such. It's just people, you know, anybody, there's probably three, 400 people that go and play. The kind of interest is there. I spoke to the IBA last week to try and, you know, see what could come of that I've not heard anything back I did hear a couple of uh, rumours that it, it wasn't great news from what other people had heard um, so I need to speak to them this week um, and also from a, like a long term point of view uh, a couple of my uh, friends from the club have got on to like the local MPs in fact I had heard some relatively positive news from um, the local Blackpool MP yesterday that, they, that one of them had got in touch with to, to say to him like you know and he apparently he was involved on the other Blackpool club the Blackpool Borough and that show he was involved but the reason that they didn't get anything on the back of that was because Newman Hall was an alternative at the time so they've kind of said that obviously that's not there anymore so he seems keen to get involved you know which might be a long term plan but short term given the only thing I could think of was one of these two smaller clubs affiliating in some way or us moving the club to sit with them for, for, for a short term which I mean I've kind of taken it upon myself to try and and there's a couple of us who are trying to get involved from the more senior and more senior rather more kind of involved in nationals and stuff that it actually affects to try and see what we can do on a temporary basis. But yeah, hopefully over the next couple of weeks we can get at least something sorted for us. Well, I think um, from your point of view, we're going to talk about it a little bit later as well, Mark, but 
you know, you've got a world champion in your, in your county. And, you know, if councils or, or whatever it may be, can that help somebody who's been a world champion in the sport who potentially hasn't got somewhere to go to? I know potentially knowing you for a lot of years, might you, you not want to, to, to put yourself out there in that way. But I think, you know, this has got to be used in some sort of advantage to the sport within Lancashire to say, well, hang on a second, you know, I'm, I'm a, I was world champion a couple of years ago and now I haven't even got a balls club to go to unless I drive two hours to go and find somewhere. And you've brought a lot of success and pride to the area, then, you know, let's let's have a little bit of give and take and try and help us out here, hopefully. Yeah, and I think, to be honest, that's, that's kind of in my mindset. Typically, I haven't been that involved in the club because even from where I live now, I'm 45 miles away from, from the Blackpool Club. So, you know, it's not around the corner even, even now. And yeah, you're right. I'm probably more of a laid-back character than most, so wouldn't push myself forward in that way and still find it difficult to call myself former world champion, if I'm being honest. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I do know that in some ways that could be a good thing. So whether, you know, and that's maybe why I've wanted to get involved and hopefully a few of us will get involved. And even if it's just, you know, dropping my name in there for that people can do, then, then you're right, it, it might help. It might not, but if it does, then, you know, that's only a good thing. At the end of the day, we're, we're, we're in a really, really bad place if a world champion of our sport can't, you know, even if it's a case of it makes somebody sit up and listen. If they weren't to do that, then I'd be I'd be really, really worried about the whole situation. And, and hopefully, like I say, I, I, as you said, Matt, I've known you for so many years and, and I know you're, that, you're not that way inclined, but sometimes you've got to sort of put that to one side and, and ram it down the throat in a lot of respects because it's not make-believe, it's not a fairy tale. You were the world champion, you are from Lancashire, and you haven't got a venue to go and play balls. It's, it's just, it's not right. It's not right at all. Just quickly, back to that um, Blackpool Borough. I mean, Richie, you'll remember, um, going back there years ago, I remember David Holt being the, the manager there. What, what happened? I, I can't remember now. It's quite a few years ago, but... Why did that go? Because that was a fantastic club. Yeah, again, I think it was a bit, not quite a sudden decision, but I think the council wanted, if council facility wanted to use it for something else, I think it's ended up turning to a car park from this. You know, obviously not being local, I don't necessarily know. Whether it was a financial thing, probably two clubs in such a close area probably split the membership between the two. And again, just not, probably not quite enough interest, you know, to maintain it. Um, and the yeah. council, as they do, you know, have other ideas for what, you know, what would be useful for a, you know, seaside town and, you know, car parts to get more people into town was probably at the time seen as a, you know, a better option. Absolutely. And uh, being so close to the, the promenade and the seafront, I've got no doubt probably £4, £5 for two hours back and there was going to bring a, a damn sight more money in than somebody spending two hours on a ball screen. And that's the that's the sad facts about the situation. The whole benefits that it brings to people's lives go out the window when it comes to finances, unfortunately. And in a lot of respects, it seems like, obviously, you've hit the same barrier on this side as well. And it's, it's somebody who basically wanting to push the business on a, a little bit further and do something different which is which is such a shame but um, I don't know if you want to add anything all I'm going to say Mark is obviously I really hope there's, there's a positive outcome on this and you do find somewhere um, and we see you out in those in the indoor greens in the very near future that's for certain yeah I just like I say I hope there's there's at least a short term fix for the, the people who want to play competitively for the next you know 12 18 months and in the meantime hopefully um, some of the avenues that we're you know, obviously starting to look at as you know I think in the next few weeks it probably would make sense for us to get a kind of working group together to get to have a look at the long term kind of possibilities and hope that we can get the right people involved just try and get two or three people together if you can get a core of bowlers who are interested with a bit of local, you know, backing and also the association, you know, the right people trying to get involved and seeing what, what can come of it. 
it might be that it's nothing, but at least we're going to give it a try and just. You know, but that that's kind of probably more of a long term plan. Um, so it's kind of a twofold attack really. Try and get something for the people who want to carry on playing if it feels uh, feasible. But then look at maybe getting some kind of facility. There's got to be enough people that can play to make a facility worthwhile somewhere. Yeah. In like- Rich, is there anything else you want to? Yeah, I mean, it's a sad state of affairs. It just reminds us of what we had at Sunderland, Davy, really, doesn't it? It's sorry. I was just going to say, it's very reminiscent about the two clubs. Yeah, I mean, splitting, we, we were splitting an area. We were based in the Leisure Centre up on the first floor, came in February, and they said that they were closing it down. And that was it. We three hundred and fifty members out and out on the cobbles. Not a thing to do. So I feel your pain. I mean, that, yes. I mean, <laughs> six years ago. That is unbelievably six years. And I'm I'm still secretary of the club, believe it or not. And we have had talks with the council a few months ago, Davy. Yeah. Without mm-hmm. with trying to to get a, a leisure facility built, but I think the current climate has probably knocked that on the head as well. So yeah. it, it's just a sad state of affairs. I, I've said it all along. Bowls is an easy target, and if it's always been a cheap game. I don't know how much, what the fees were like down there, Mark, but I've always said up in the northeast, balls is too cheap, uh, even at indoor level, even at a council centre, the fees were too cheap. I was just about to say, obviously, the, the ten million that you won for the world championship, plus all your sponsors and your add-ons <laughs> and the adverts, you'd be able to build somewhere, Mark, wouldn't you? I mean, you're that type of guy. Yeah, I'm not thought about that actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, get your hand in your pocket. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, if you look around and I put my two up, two down house, rented house that I'm living in, I perhaps need to work on that as much as... uh, (laughs) Well, one thing, I mean, one thing that... you would really, really worth putting in there as well, Mark. If you know when you listen back to this, we've just um, we've got Ian McCombs on the podcast as well, who's talked about all of the benefits that it brings to people's store. Certainly, part of your your discussions has got to be what benefits it brings to people's lives. And um, you know, if you have a look at what they do and, and what it does for people, you know that that has got to be a strong part of your case to basically say, you know, this brings so much to people's lives. Some buts, but but hopefully they'll, they'll get something. So did the holiday part not get anything from the World Balls Tour as in publicity or I mean I know every time I've seen it on YouTube they had the tables up the side but there wasn't many people there now is, is that down to club members or uh, a bit of both I'd say yeah I mean it was disappointing obviously I was in the the tournaments on at least two or three of the occasions that he was there. And yeah, the, again, club members, the typical crowd, it is a typical crowd green area. It wasn't a lot to get in. Right. But if you're expecting people to sit there for, you know, five and six hours at a time, you know, to watch the bowls, you know, they just maybe, I don't know, they'd probably rather watch it on, on the telly sat there in the, in the comfort of their own home. You know, we all know what bowls are like. Sometimes the, the support isn't as, you know, good as it should be, perhaps, for those events. Yeah. And also, you know, was it publicised as well as it, as it could have been? Probably not, right. if I'm being honest. It probably wasn't. And losing that tournament at, at Blackpool was probably another, you know, the start of the downward turn, really. Yeah. That obviously happened relatively short notice, so it probably didn't paint balls in a great light when they thought we had this tournament and then the next minute we've not got it kind of thing. So yeah. it didn't, probably didn't help all, all told. But yeah, it, it didn't take off as probably well as it should, given it could have looked like a really tight, intimate venue. If the timings had gone right and got the right people in the right time, it could have been a could have created a really good atmosphere. Yeah. So from there, from obviously a, a, quite a sad story, uh, Mark. Let's let's move on to. Hope I'm right in saying this was probably the highlight of your career. 
World Championship singles. Being the unassuming and, and quiet guy that I know you are, what was that whole roller coaster like? Because I've no doubt you'll have had a lot of press attention and, and you know a lot that goes along with just turning up there, playing your balls and winning a World Championship. There's a lot that goes with that. How did you find the whole journey? Uh, weird, to be honest. It was, I mean, from 12, 12 months previously, losing to Charlie Benz, a 72-year-old, in the first round. So driving four and a half hours back. Fortunate I was in a car of my own, because I'm not sure it would have been great company. <laughs> um, so just 12 months later, having done, and it's just typically how sport works, don't feel like I did anything different in the, in the 12 months played similar amount, was playing a similar standard, you know, off there and, and just turned up, played the pairs first. Winning the pairs with Jamie really helped from a confidence point of view. I mean, to be fair, I kind of been carried for the first couple of games with Jamie, but then actually turned up and played well in the final, which kind of gave, that was a first anything like final on the WVT. So that, that was probably, you know, a good thing. And then just kind of got into a, a really weird kind of calmness about me full stop. I mean, I'm not a particularly, you know, I do worry before games and stuff, but I'm not an overly, you know, exuberant character by any stretch of the imagination. But I just found I found a real calmness that I literally knew that I was going to play well, you know. And if someone played better, then that that's fair enough. You just hold my hands up, you know, and say. And, and even before the final, I mean, you know, it's the biggest game, you know, certainly in my life as only an indoor player. That I think, you know, beforehand, I was I was lucky in all fairness because I spoke to um, Nicky. I'm good friends with Nicky Brett, so I spoke to him before, and he said, "Mark, it's quite a long wait between you having your practice and going on because you have like a show before and things like that." So he said, "Just whatever it is, whatever suits you, just take yourself away, you know, from that. Don't." get too you know involved in it which was a good bit of advice so i just disappeared off chatting to someone and they're all like you're not supposed to be getting the zone and all this like i said you don't know me well enough you think that's good. <laughs> you know i can't take life seriously at all so I said, i'm not gonna do that i'm gonna find somewhere where i can chat to someone and disappear and just before we walked on you know all, all day to be fair it's worse when you watch a mum who was watching was an absolute nervous wreck she was sat in the stand which was sat quite near where we walk on. So it was taking a they all they all dragged on for ages. So I just wandered up the stand behind her and uh, and just coming to sat right and I just went, excuse me, is this seat taken here? Well I've never seen her face. I mean it relaxed <laughs> me because she just looked and went, What are you doing? Get are you supposed to be concentrating, you know, like kind of thing. I said, Well, this is relaxing I me. Mean, this was that was my way of just dealing with the fact that obviously I was a little bit nervous. So it's just you know, so it it was fantastic. You know, felt that all over the kind of week, two weeks that I was I wouldn't often say this, but I was probably the best player over that period. And yeah, and just I mean, afterwards you just it's just people talk, you know, people ringing up for an interview, you know, people wanting to the next day from the you know, local paper wanting to speak to you and stuff and like and it was just even turning up, I mean the biggest thing was turning up to pick uh, my two boys up the day after walked into the school the school gates and a couple of people are looking at me and I'm thinking, what, what are they looking at? <laughs> and they're like, they come, they come to me and excuse me, were you, were you on the telly yesterday? I said, yeah, I'm, yeah, you might have seen me. <laughs> did, did you win like kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well done. It's brilliant news. And these are, I mean, I expected a couple from the people in my kids' class who would have known about it because the boys might have been talking about it. But these are people that I've probably never seen since, like kind of thing. So for me, like you say, I'm, I'm pretty laid back, pretty unassuming. It, it was really strange, you know, and, and even even late. I mean, the, the, the biggest thing that I got from it, and I'll say this with the people obviously winning it is the biggest thing but the biggest thing I got from it was to go to the sports personality which for someone like me who is absolutely mad on the sport and watch any sport 
oh, well, I was like a kid in a sweet shop. It's just <laughs> you know, like when they said, I, I kind of like said, okay, you know, do you get to go? And I spoke to Rich at the beauty. He's like, well, we don't always get an invite and this, that, and this. I said, all right, okay, fair enough. And then when it comes through, I was like, and literally, I, I thought someone had winding me up, to be honest, because it's just like that, that was that was it. So, yeah, it, and even now, people talk to me and, and you, you're like, oh, yeah, you, you won the world. And, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I did. It's, it's just, I'm like, oh. Must have been lucky that way. What went, what went on? What went wrong? You said about the Charlie game. And Charlie, you know, taking nothing away from Charlie, he played well. He played well against. Was it Nicky he played the round after as well? Yes, it was, yeah. So was. he played, he, you know, he played well again. But it sort of typifies what you said when you said you didn't really do a lot different and you went in with the sets as just so cutthroat. You know, you, you could have played out your skin and still lost. It's just one of those setups which great for TV, but is not great for the perfectionist bowler who, you know, you, you back yourself to win consistently over a long period of time. And, and you, you, you know, you, we'll see it with you all of the time. You just, when you get into a rhythm, you just a machine and it's like it's you're standing there and you think you're lying four or five and you know you're not going to get them and, and that's you know I'm not bigging you up here I've been there before and I've sworn at you loads of times and, <laughs> and uh, told you what I've thought about you on several occasions and it's just when you get in, into that frame of mind you can be unstoppable at times and and like you say, you, you potentially, I can't remember the game in question, but you potentially didn't do anything different to what you did to win it. But you just need to be in a good frame of mind. You need to be in good form. And you need that little bit of luck to go with it as well, without a shadow of a doubt in set format. You, when you play a runner, you probably need to get an 80, 85% result out of that runner. Because if you don't, it's potentially winning or losing a set. I probably said that week, I won a couple of tight games that historically there would have lost. You know, I, I may have... I've stayed in games and probably rightfully lost them, but tight. And I've also lost a couple of games before where I probably should have won them. Just, you know, one, like you say, one ball, one result on a runner, things like that. And just that that couple of weeks, I had a couple of games that went to tie breaks that I probably deserved to win, but historically would have lost. But on that occasion, I've managed to, you know, get over the line. And, and even little little things where, you know, one or two balls in sets where you think, you, you know, you could easily lose the set and that, it means you're chasing. You end up winning it. And then, you know, if you win the first set, you obviously got a massive advantage because you, you know what worse you're getting a tie break. You've kind of got two bikes of the chariot getting through things. Yeah, without a doubt. And Richie's going to have to put a bleep on this one because one thing that really irritates of me with oh. you is you let go of your ball and you look down as if you didn't like it <laughs> and it's like that it irritates the life out of us because anybody else when you let go of your ball and you're going oh no that's rubbish you go like that and you do that every ball and you never know whether it's going to be a back touch a front touch or a yard away really 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 irritates <laughs> So uh, you're a great lad, Mark, but yeah, uh, just just don't do that anymore. Just please, just look straight ahead when you let go of the ball. You do know my sense of humour, Bolty. Every time I'm playing you, my head's going dead. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's be- uh, well, you do know my sense of humour, Mark. I'll just walk up the green and hoof your ball back in the head. We've got a few choice words that exchange between the pair of us. Uh, it's, it's great though, man. I've, like I say, I've, I always, I always thoroughly enjoy all matches against each other. We always have a, a battle, but it's, you know, it's um, nothing's taken too seriously, and we're, we're both out there to win. But we've had some, we've had some cracking conversations during the time as well. And couple of, <laughs> yeah, not very couple repeatable. Of, <laughs> couple of expletives here and there, but uh, no, it's great stuff. So there'll be more from Mark later in the show. And now we catch up with 
just Paul's manager, Ian McComb. And we have Ian McCombs on the podcast today. Ian, thanks very much for, for joining us. Much appreciated. That's all right. Thank you for inviting me. Not a problem at all. And Ian is the manager of the Just Ball, which um, is a fantastic concept. And, and Ian has worked with this for quite a while now. Ian, who was just basically loved to find out what it's all about and, you know, what it is that you do. And, and where this journey started and where you are now. Yeah, sure. So um, quite a lot of your listeners might be familiar with Just Bowl because it's actually been running since 2014. It ran for a couple of years. It was funded by Sport England and it was run as a community development project through Bowls Development Alliance. Uh, the idea was to work with a couple of groups, um, disability groups and also uh, with care home uh, residents. After the two years, unfortunately, it wasn't funded again. However, it got refunded two years ago. Sport England decided to refund it. And the aim of the work was to, again, to do some research. So we worked with our research partners, Sheffield Hallam University, to determine what impact Just Bowl had on physical activity levels and mental well-being on people with, uh, with cancer and uh, people residing in care homes. So um, that was 18 months ago. Part of the, the work we did some, as I said, we did some research with Sheffield Hallam University. The, um, the research was uh, came back and it showed that there was really positive impact on mental well-being in both groups and with physical uh, an increase in physical activity levels and also balance and mobility with the uh, residents from care homes. Fantastic. So um, Sport England were quite happy with the... Uh, the uh, findings so they um they've agreed to fund us for another three years just the nitty-gritty question there and it would be what do you think was the issue after the first two years because it, it, it's blatantly it's a fantastic thing that is helping so many people do you think because it was in its infancy that they maybe wanted to just see a little bit more before looking to, to fund again sport england tend to just fund projects for a couple of years um and what they like is for the project to become sustainable and to continue. Uh, unfortunately, uh, it wasn't sustainable um, for one reason or another. And unfortunately, they, they didn't refund it. They seem to have changed their stance somewhat recently, which is good for us because they have decided to refund it. However, with, with this uh, new round of funding, we have to show that we can become sustainable and we need to start um, bringing in some income as well as part of the agreement, the funding agreement with that. That's looking really positive the way it is, isn't it? Because uh, like I say, you've, you've got some great batters now and you're working some with some major organisations within the nursing home sector as well, aren't you? Yeah, so we're, uh, we're working with Brighter Kind. We, we set up a partnership with Brighter Kind from the first work we did, so the first 18 months, uh, and various uh, cancer groups as well. We've also picked up some other partners along the way as well. So we've worked with Guinness Care, and we've done some separate work with them through their funding streams. Uh, we were able to access funding, and we were able to provide sets for a number of their facilities. We've also, in, in our new work, we've we've set up a couple of partnerships with an NHS in North Devon, so the, the services team there, and also one in Exeter as well. So I, I should say that I'm, I'm based in the South West and so is my colleague. So a lot of the work, though we work nationally, uh, right across England, a lot of our work tends to be a, a little bit more focused around the South West. We are happy to work further afield, don't get me wrong, but a lot of it is because of COVID recently. We we haven't been able to 
get yeah. out and about. So we've targeted organisations that are close that we can work with. So we've established a partnership with NHS in uh, Exeter. And as well as that, we're also working with Sanctuary Care and a few other organisations as well. So our, our, with our new funding stream, um, we've also been asked to do some research with Stroke Association and Headway. And also we're looking at what impact Just Bow has on dementia patients. So we're, we've targeted seven care homes to work with. And the, the other part of the what Sport England wants to do now is to, to work with 200 care homes, so targeting 2,000 participants, and looking at the longevity of the programme to see that the project, that we can go in, deliver, and then that the, the homes want to buy the equipment. So just see, seeing that it, it, it does work in homes. Fantastic. And obviously it becomes sustainable, and it's, you know, you're down in that local area at the minute, but it's such a massive organisation, nursing homes, etc. that, you know, it's not as if you it's one every other day or something, like that. Your, your time scale's packed. And the bonus for you is to become sustainable. Better case studies that we're seeing all of the time from the work that you're doing is just going to further enhance the possibility in the future for you to expand and obviously, you know, have a have a bigger sort of foot further up the country as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So some of the case studies, if, if you go onto our website www.justbow.org there's several case studies on there there's also a couple of videos that we've made as well that are really interesting they, they were made by our partners so one of them's by brighter kind um in a home that where they had a huge competition that we attended up in uh, harrogate and also there's um there's one by guinness care but there's also some um, case studies that we've produced with several homes across the country so two in particular jump out and that's one that we did uh, with a home called avery muse which is uh, based up in Yorkshire. And the impact on the participants was amazing. They, it was the highlight of their week. And the, uh, the lady who ran the project, uh, the activities coordinator, was telling us that when they first started going up in bowling, they, they were walking up with their um, their bowling, their walking aid. And by the end of the 12 weeks, they were putting their, their aids to one side and going up in bowling, going down, collecting their own bowls. Um, so that, that was really good. And she said that that was the one that the balance and mobility really came out, how much of it improved uh, and their confidence as well, the, the residents' confidence. And the other one was in, um, so it was an individual case study that we did with a lady in a home in Hungerford. And the, sadly, she passed away, but the, the, um, the quotes from her, her daughter were fantastic. That it gave her a, a new lease of life. She used to bowl previously and it, it just brought her alive again. So that was, uh, that was really nice. Without a doubt. And that's got to be, you know... That... <laughs> It must be fantastic to sort of see the job satisfaction is the wrong word. It's the, it's the it's the life of, you know, seeing what you do change somebody's life. We always talk on this show about how we need to promote the sport better and we need to do this and do that. The fact that you're getting balls to, to the audience is a fantastic thing to start with because it's, you know, it's putting the putting the sport out there to people who've maybe never not tried it before. But the the whole sort of quality of life that you're actually providing to people. And, and I've seen a couple of the discussions with workers within the nursing homes and you sometimes look at these things from business and that and you think to yourself, are they just, they're just saying that to promote what you're 
doing and they genuinely have been on there and just, you know, they've seen the masks of changing people and, and that's just got to be such a rewarding experience for yourselves. It's not, you know, it becomes not so much a job, but just, you know, it must be fantastic to see the difference you're making in people's lives as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it, it is a very rewarding job. And the, the other thing that stands out is there's so many characters in the homes. So we'll go into a home to deliver the training to the staff and a lot of the residents will sit around watching and their comments are so funny about the staff. Like, that's rubbish. I can do better than that. So the staff invite them to come up. Oh, come and have a go. And no, no, I'll, I'll, I'll try later. But eventually they, they do get up and give it a go. The first thing they notice is the weight because they're always expecting them to be like your, your traditional bowls. So they the first thing, they pick them up up the bowls and they know right away oh I can do this so then they, they bowl down you can just see the, the the competitiveness as well so between the different residents taking part what we've done is through our experience over the last 18 months we've actually changed our equipment we've adapted our equipment because we realized that when we were working in some of the dementia homes we needed to to change it slightly so uh, kev that i work with designed a whole set of equipment and a lot of it is based around dementia so bright colors the numbers they're easy to see so they we've tried to adapt our equipment so anyone can use it really yeah, yeah so so it benefits everyone one thing that stands out for me and is you know we've tried for years to get into schools and you see that there's a there's an invest there and, and you see that the teachers would love to sort of get a hold of it but you never ever feel as if you're actually going to get the buy-in from them whereas the nursing homes the staff really really seem as if they get behind what you're doing and uh, you know give everything to it because they, they obviously see the benefits as well yeah it, interestingly we, we've just uh, during the lockdown when the schools went back we've we've actually gone to a couple of schools that we know and asked them to try it out to see how, how the students find it and we're looking now to develop the product to see how we can adapt it more for schools so whether that's included in the curriculum or I actually come from a education background I used to work in um, further education so I've seen what a lot of other NGBs adapt their equipment to be able to to use as part of the curriculum so that's what we're looking at at the moment how we can adapt it a while ago we were we were at a um, show we were uh, demonstrating at a conference sorry and there was a guy next to us who worked in the um, industry sports in selling equipment for several years and he was saying how the that how just bowl would go down really well in Germany in the schools in particular is because they love that sort of thing and the, the, the students embrace it the teachers realize how it can be adapted and used within the curriculum to benefit the students it's just a matter of time until hopefully they do realize that it can be a benefit and that it can be used within our educational system fantastic and it is the perfect center way because bright colors being able to set up and I, and I always refer to the the crazy golfs scenario it's you can change things to make it as hard or as tricky or as easy as what it is and kids well anybody you know not just kids but i think kids primarily will respond better when you've got targets and scores and than just bowling a ball to a jack which is which is great and some kids take to it and still really enjoy it but i think to actually get the attraction there straight away you've got the perfect setup and and obviously i, I use the equipment when we do the likes of our club helpers workshops and for the open days at the clubs that we work with and if anybody hasn't seen it we will be putting the links to the website on we will be putting pictures of the equipment on and they are available to purchase aren't they and you, you know you've got plenty of sets there that are available for clubs to buy and for the cost yeah. of them can't stress enough you know the cost is nothing in relation to what it could actually bring 
a club and bring to an open day or bring to a, a day which is going to attract different people because if you gain 10 members off the back of that it pays for itself and you know you've probably got their members for, for 10 years um, so you know I, I just think it's absolutely fantastic I think the work you've done I've got to give a mention to Kevin else as well because Kevin's your partner and you know, you're doing a fantastic job, and I know you're all systems go. But like I say, I think the work you're doing is just is phenomenal, and for the sport itself, I think anybody who listens to this and goes onto the website and and looks what you do, I think well, if they haven't seen it before, it'll open their eyes completely. Richie, I know you were having a look at the Sheffield Hallow stuff, weren't you, over the weekend? Yeah, I had, I had a look at the report, and it's very impressive. Do you do you find when you initially go in, is it is it difficult to actually get the staff to to come on board completely or do they do they embrace it straight away or is it tiny it, it, steps it, it all depends on the home so right. when the homes that we've gone into with activity co- coordinators usually the activity coordinators are looking for something new right so they'll embrace it right away because it's their job then they're they're happy to learn from us and then do whatever they want with it. Yeah. And we found our, our most successful um, homes have been the ones with activity coordinators in. However, there are others that, you know, just general staff have, have used it as well. But I think they've because they've got that experience of delivering sessions, then they're a lot more comfortable using it. But that said, we, we've run sessions for cleaners, everyone, a lot of the homes, they've got to diversify. They, they do all sorts of jobs in the homes. And so we, what we try to do with the training is to simplify it as much as possible. It, the training that we deliver in homes takes about two hours and we break it down for them. We show them the equipment initially. Kevin delivers the training then splits them into small groups and he gets them to think up games. And then we move on to some of the other games. They get a chance to try the equipment out. And before long, they're, they're quite comfortable using it and it has worked well in most homes. We, you know, we're always going to get those one or two homes that don't really yeah. embrace it, but we just accept that. That's yeah. always going to be the case. Do you think? Do you think smaller groups work better? Because obviously, you have a big group, and I mean, I was quiet at school. I was always the one sitting at the back of the class, letting everybody get into it. I suppose care homes, people's confidences could be either high, could be either low. Smaller groups, people more likely to to step forward and have a go at it? Uh, yeah, I think that's probably the case. Yeah, what they do is usually deliver it in a lounge with, with a small group. But one of the great things about the set is that everything fits into a, a small bag. So what we're finding now with, with COVID is that a lot of the residents are where they're, they're in their rooms, they're confined to their rooms, they can actually take it into their room and deliver it in the room. So oh, you can right. deliver it in quite a small area. Right. Yeah, so um, some some of the residents are using it there or in a passageway as well. Probably better in a small group. Yeah. But that said, the competitive edge starts oh, coming out. In, in... <laughs> I could just imagine. When you're, yeah, when you're in a a larger group then um, we no one's come to blow no one's come to blows yet but the heckling, um, the heckling from the sidelines yeah no, it's fantastic like I said obviously I knew nothing about it I've been in, in my role for just over a year now and I've learned so much about it and the, and the biggest thing I take from from all of it you know there's the there's the benefits it brings to, to people you know it's a benefit it brings to the sport but none of that would work if yourself and Kevin weren't fully behind it and showed the passion that you do because it's quite easy to just roll in somewhere and try and just drop something in and say crack on and get on with it. But yeah. you can tell that, it, you know, you've worked so hard to get it where it is now. And personally, I cannot see it going anywhere else but up. And I really, like I say, I, I completely wish you the best of luck because um, yeah. I, I do think it's fantastic. And I highly recommend 
anybody listening definitely to go on and have a look at obviously the case studies what you do because we've all got parents grandparents who you know are in nursing homes or, or might need something just to bring them out themselves that they, they might be going through a bad time uh, and it, it's absolutely fantastic and um, I, I cannot speak highly enough about what you do so um, Richie is there anything else you wanted to cover? There was one little thing in the report where they mentioned that the possibly the, the incentive intensity of it could be looked at maybe is it weighted ball or you would that be going into more a, a carpet ball area yeah that that was with the cancer support groups yeah. yeah what we found is because of a lot of the groups that we work with were quite active already yeah we found that their levels of physical activity didn't improve as a as a consequence of it so the but we have looked at other ways of increasing that so yeah they the actual group that we worked with that from a social perspective it made a huge difference yeah. Um, and they they still play to this day. Um, in fact, they, they purchased the equipment immediately, and they um, yeah. So the, there are other benefits, but yeah, the, there are other ways you can change it as well. So that's another great thing about it, Ian, is the fact that it's not just it's not just something that's been thrown together. There's a lot of research that you're doing as part of this for you know different illnesses, seeing the the positive aspects, you know what you can change to make things better, and it's just so adaptable. Anyway, you could play it in your you could play it in your own house in your passageway, or like you say, you can nursing homes, community centres, indoor bowling greens, outdoor bowling greens. It just brings a whole new aspect to what the sport is all about. When you look at what you do and the positive impact it has, then it just puts a whole new spin on the on the, the whole recruitment side of things. And like I say, I'm I'm quite positive a lot of people will look into it and, and see exactly what we're talking about. I've um I've had it set up in my wife's office for for about the last month and a half. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Much to her annoyance. But uh, yeah we we've been um we be, we were filming a a video about just bowl during the lockdown so that we could still continue delivering it yeah it was it was in her office for quite a while <laughs> I've, had the, I've, had, I've, I've had the look of seeing that as well Ian so Steve, Steven Spielberg's going to have to watch out I'll tell you because I've seen it it's cracking <laughs> I'm not going to win any Oscars for my acting <laughs> uh, what, one thing I should say that we have developed to go alongside the the stat is um, game cards. So we, we've got um, ga- a set of game cards that we've got an online shop which can be found uh, on our website. And we've got about 17 different games on there. And um, w- one of the great things that they've all got different levels. One of the great things about it is that you can actually start really easy and then progress. So from a coaching perspective, you could use the game cards to actually to develop your game. So it starts with really easy games and then progression comes in. So it makes it a little bit more difficult. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I'll, I'll, I'll stick to the easy ones. So. <laughs> <laughs> ah, classy. Ian, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. It's like I say, it's you know, it's it's great. It's great talking about it. I love being part of it through through the work. And um, like I say, I kinda I kinda wish you any more than success. And like we said, we will we'll make sure that all all relevant links are on the website and um I will be getting some pictures of you of the equipment, etc. And we'll we'll make sure that's promoted on there as well. But great, uh, it's been absolute been an absolute pleasure pleasure having you on mate and um like i say i'm sure a lot of people will will really enjoy this conversation thank you thank you thank you again for inviting me not a problem thanks thank you thank you take care mate It's time for the final part in our chat with Mark Dawes. Just one thing extra for me is a question with regards to the international setup. You obviously you're a fixed lead for so many years and phenomenal lead at that. You've now moved up three to 
Greg, um, for the last few years. Were you happy to move up to three? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm one of these people, actually, I'll play anywhere, to be honest, wherever you, uh, you tell me. And naturally would have been a lead and, and would have been happy to carry on doing that. Probably because I'd played a lot of back-end bowls, even even for the last I'm kind of five or six years, really, when I was leaving internationally, probably wasn't quite as consistent you know, anyone can draw to the jack. You know, anyone should be able to play in any position, really. So it's probably right. And equally, my game was probably developing a little bit more back end as well. So it's probably the right time for the team as well, where we, you know, probably had a couple of, you know, maybe skips that were just getting to the point where they were either thinking of retiring or were plus threes who were maybe not playing. So it may be just opportunity rather than anything else. So, and also it's possibly slightly easier at international level to kind of, bed in a younger player or younger players who are coming through at the front end of a ring, you know, knowing full well that those players will move forward. And you've got your exceptions. You've got your likes of Jamie, Sam, you know, Jamie Walker, you know, but all of them will just come straight in back end because they're that good. But everybody else who you kind of just want to maybe just, you know, they're good enough to play international bowls um, and they maybe played on the 25 series, but that's not quite the same. It is still a step up from that to the full international team. Yeah. So it was probably just a point where it made sense to, to just kind of, you know, move Moved me back uh, there. Obviously, couldn't find anybody else that could play it properly, so they would just shove me there. Uh, and then, obviously, it could give them options to bring, you know, bring people in. Having said that, though, in the first year I played three to Greg, and then I was scheduled to go back to lead for Nicky the year after. But it was, I think, it was four or five years ago in Wales when the team got decimated, and we ended up only having twenty-three players when I was travelling there, which is a little bit worrying. Um, yeah, that was I was one of those. Leanne taken in hospital, so I, I actually oh, missed yeah. that. She ended up with some like scarlet fever something she was in hospital for three or four days so I actually was one of them that missed it but I remember I felt even worse making that phone call Andy and explaining the situation because he'd said that there'd been a few dropouts as well yeah it was it was a bit of a it's, it's a really weird I and mean, it's people classic people taking opportunities you know you're going in and people a couple, a couple of people stay from the British Isles and those people are still on the team now you know, who probably, you know, with all due respect, might have got in in two or three years' time, but wouldn't have got in then, but took the chance and have obviously played well and kept the plays, you know, going all the way through. And there's people, you know, outside the setup you know, looking and thinking, oh, well, he should be playing there. But indoors, we've had a stable team for the last, you know, kind of few years because, unfortunately, we keep winning it. You know, it's, I think it's six on the bounce now. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully next year will be seven, which would be a record, uh, I'm led to believe. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of, we've got to that point now where when the changes have been being made they are fairly minor but you know it's not a massive fix because the team is you know just evolving on a natural kind of basis and it was it was an interesting question because i'm i'm a firm believer and I'm, I'm sure myself and richie have talked about this before but your best draw ballers and those who have done a stint of lead or you know predominantly played front end for me make the best back-end bowlers uh, and I would stick by that all of the time because very well having that run and ball to get yourself out of trouble but it's the nitty-gritty where you've got to go down there and do what was your bread and butter at a time of drawing to that bear jack and that is a scary place to be if you're not a good draw bowler and, and you'll know that and it's it, it becomes sort of a for all you say that you maybe weren't as good I think at international level you probably you know just picking numbers out the air you would be looking at 85% consistency as an international lead 85% of the game you're getting 
there or thereabouts within 18 inches two foot when you move back end and you're not playing constantly drawn to a jack all the time I would say you probably drop down to about 75% success rate but you're still in the high marks with regards to walking away and drawing the shot if you need to yeah and I think it was probably it's a, it's a the double-edged sword really I mean obviously I would say that the time when I was leading my runner was probably the, the weakest part of my game but actually and I think I learned this a lot on the tour really um, because you have to go quicker on the tour than the nature of the carpet and things but that's got so much better because of that that gave me more obviously confidence on the draw then so and it kind of meant that I had to work on my weakness or perceived weakness from my in my own mind as much as anything perceived weakness to then mean that yeah all right I know full well that if I was going to be under pressure and I could I'd revert back to the draw, and I still will do now. You know, if it's a choice of two shots, you know, I would go, I would go for the draw as opposed to somebody else who possibly run it. It's just a way different people play. Yeah. But the fact that I had, a, I'd improved, you know, my runner, you know, meant that therefore I wasn't worried about playing back end because I knew that if I needed to and I was asked to, you know, I can play the shot. But yet, going like you say, going back to the bread and butter of under real pressure when you know there's no other shot than the draw, I, I was fairly confident that I'd had enough years of you know drawing to a bed. Yeah, definitely. Richie, over to you. I know you've got a couple of poses for Mark. Just going back to your your crown green days, Mark. Did you ever play in the Waterloo? Yeah. No. To be honest, Richie, I was I'm, crown green is I was been playing crown green since I was six, seven, right. playing in leagues. You know, against men who obviously took it really well. If I used to beat them when I was that age. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, never really got to the point. I played a bit, a little bit of junior county stuff uh, on the crown, but never really took it seriously. When I started playing flat when I was sixteen, and then that kind of took over. Really, I, maybe I was probably better at it. Um, so did it. And that's, I mean, I still play crown now right. uh, in the summer, just past the time, and mainly because the banter is fantastic on the crown. It's a different mindset to the, the flat greeners, and probably my sense of humour can come out a little bit more. Um, <laughs> like David says, I'm quite a quiet character, you know, until people who get to know me. And then they know that you know I'm rather sarcastic and and rather uh, don't no. take myself or anybody else too seriously. <laughs> Local level, you're quite often you know having a go at each other and your own teammates as much as anything. I mean, it's some of the stuff that gets said. You know, it's probably too far the other way. But I love it because it, it just kind of makes me. I can just relax. Yeah. I can turn up. I can go enjoy my summer bowls. You know, and then by the time it comes back to the indoor, I'm then ready and it's it's more serious if you want to put it that way. So do you, do you not play flat door at all? No, no, I probably stopped. I think I saw some on, on Facebook the other day, about eight years ago, I think right. it was. Played internationally for about four or five years. It wasn't as good outdoors as I was indoors. And just the whole playing 12 months of the year, kids were a bit younger then, it's quite difficult. And now... Uh, I'm like joint custody with them so playing at, I remember the weekend right. so actually in Lancashire particularly it's a lot of weekend stuff yeah. even the, the pairs singles triples and all that quite often the fixed dates on weekends so to play competitively you'd have to play a lot of weekends I don't want to play when I've got the kids I'm, that's my time with the boys so therefore I wouldn't be playing as much and I got to the point where I was getting frustrated because I wasn't playing as well as I wanted you know as I thought I could and wanted to so I just thought I'm not on the head and, and to be honest it was the best decision I made Yeah, I mean I've got two outdoor clubs one 10 minutes away and one 15 minutes away I really don't miss it and I don't think a little bit is the standard of the greens and a little bit of standard of the weather sometimes around Manchester not not, not known for its uh, wonderful <laughs> you know, sunny days I think a lot of it was just it was 12 months of the year yeah. you know if I, yeah. I don't think it was particularly outdoor balls yeah. it was just one of them had to give and, and at the time I was probably just I preferred indoor a little bit and I, and I felt I was better at it 
so so that's why I decided to carry on with that. Yeah, it can get to the feeling where it's like a, a, a second job, really, isn't it? It's 12 months of the year, and it, you just need to recharge your batteries. Going back to that one, would you, is there going to be an occasion with where we see a triple of doors, doors, and doors? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. <laughs> Not from what well, I mean. It's really strange. People when people ask me, I, I've been kind of with regards to the boys. I mean, they showed very little interest right. particularly my elder he's he's 11 there he goes to high school in september he's not really shown any interest at all occasionally they might know i'm playing but no more <laughs> than that the youngest i've got more chance with he's a bit sporty he likes his football so i think he might at some point take, take him down but I, th- I think maybe i've always you know if they show an interest then of course i will take him but i've almost seen bowls as my thing and even like previously when i was married it was kind of like i'd walk in the door and it'd be are you in a good mood if it was a yes I'd won. If it was a no, I'd lost. That was that was the end of conversation. We didn't go, you know, and it, it kind of was great that I could leave the balls there. And you know, to be honest, it's the same now with the, with the kids. It's just literally, yes, obviously they just about knew I won the world. Like, but other than that, they don't want to know. They just want they just want dad. They just want yeah. dad to, yeah. you know, go in the backyard and yeah. little one to belt a football at me as hard as he can and <laughs> give me bruises all over the place. That's what it's all about, Mark. At the end of the day, you you seem to have that balance really really well we all sort of sometimes get a little bit dragged is the wrong word but get get a bit hooked into the whole indoor outdoor indoor outdoor competition but this has been a massive eye opener for me and, I, and i'm pretty sure for richie as well this this covert situation it's been really really nice I, I wish it hadn't happened don't get us wrong wouldn't complain one little bit if i was out playing county balls and, and national balls now but it's certainly opened my eyes to the fact that there is life outside of balls and it's been nice to they're not rushing from work and rush straight back out and you know it's it's been great and i, I literally have no interest to go and play roller balls till the end of the season before the indoor potentially starts, hopefully. Um, and I know Richie's talked about it as well. It's, it's just been really, really nice to do different things. Like I say, that, that's obvious from your own point of view, and it's probably benefited your indoor game as well, having that break and, you know, it's, you, you're coming back fully charged for the indoor season. Without question. Yeah, I definitely think that's the case because I'm coming back in September and, and you get on that cycle, like you say, you get on a cycle where, you know, you get the indoor season, so it's quite heavy. You play, you know, internationals, nationals, you know, in March. March, and then it's like kind of right okay that that's kind of finished you just about right try and finish your stuff in you know beginning of April for any club comps or anything like that and then bang you know well when does the outdoor start and you, you kind of never get that break and it's the same with the you know, outdoor finishes you know you know and historically when you're a junior you end up playing some indoor before you then go back out to the juniors national series in the middle of September and there's, there's no cut off. So now, when I when I come into play and it gets to the point of kind of August, I'm actually looking forward to playing as opposed yeah. to you know thinking you know and then and vice versa. At the end of March, I'm, I'm kind of thinking right, okay, this is the big time of the year. You know, yes, you're starting. You played a lot of balls potentially. You've a little bit of you know mental fatigue. But hang on a minute, I've only got to get to the end of March and that's it. I've got five six months off where I, I can just you know take things easy. And then by the time it comes around September, you're ready, you, you really want to go. And, and it, it's not, I mean, it's not for everybody. Some people, you know, want to play, you know, all year round. And I, I totally understand that. And if circumstances were slightly different for myself, and, and I possibly would. But yeah, if you can try and find a way, even if it's just a month, you know, and I've spoken to a lot of people, you know, whilst in, obviously in a lockdown, a lot of bullets who, who do play, you know, 12 months. And they've said that they were surprised that they've, they've not missed it or not missed it as much. But I think yeah. it's just that break. You know, I think they would. I think if it got to, you know, doing it all the time, they would. But it's just trying to find. And I think maybe that's somewhere where if we had, you know, associations who were obviously closer linked and actually one association could get a better calendar, we could almost get that right. We've got to give three weeks, you know, 
four weeks. Not have to be a massive amount of time at either end of the, of the seasons. You know, rather than trying to get everything, and I know it's difficult because everyone's got their own in what they want to get played and stuff. But just to give people a little bit of time to, you know, you are rushing around from work. You are, you know, everyone's got families and other things that they want to do, and 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 don't drive members away by thinking we've got to choose one or the other. Give them a little bit of a break and think, right, I can still do both because I know in and around that period I've got times to you know, go on holidays. How many bowlers don't go on holiday because they can't get in the bowl season? So. Totally agree, Mark. Totally agree. Well, Mark, obviously, you know, we, we've we've had some amazing guests and obviously yourself, Nicky, Alex, Paul, etc., etc. Jamie's been on the show and, and we can bang on about what you've done in the sport. I mean, you've got national titles coming out years, you're world champion. We could talk about all of these things, but it's actually nice to be able to talk to people and find out personalities and find out about you as a person, not just about the things that you've once been fantastic to actually just talk to you about family life and, and find out, you know, People probably don't know that you, you you're abusive on the green and things like that. But like I say, moving on from that, we're we're now onto the highlight of the show, and Richie's going to put some fantastic music and fireworks and everything on this one because balls are balls. It's becoming an enigma, and and I've made this one particularly special for you because this is a Lancashire episode of (laughs) Balls or Balls. So you are going to get five questions, balls for true, balls for false, and they're all all about Lancashire. Are we ready to go? Yeah. Question one. Preston was the first city in the UK to open a KFC. Balls. Lancashire is the only county to have its name linked to three different types of cheese which are blue, goat and cream. Balls. Lancashire Day is on the 23rd of October. <laughs> Balls. <laughs> Queen Street Mill in Lancashire was featured in the Oscar-winning film The King's Speech. Balls. The infamous Blackpool Illuminations is 6.2 metres long. Miles long, even. <laughs> Definitely not <laughs> six point. Wouldn't be a very good illumination <laughs> to was over in four steps. <laughs> six point two miles long. Balls. Fantastic. Right. So, I do know you said balls for the first one. Preston was the first city in the UK to have a KFC, so that was correct. You said balls for the second one, which was Lancashire is the only county to have its name linked with three different types of cheese, which are blue, goat, and cream. And it was actually balls because they're actually creamy, crumbly, and tasty. Yeah, three <laughs> cheeses. No, me crumbly Lancashire. You certainly <laughs> had no idea about Lancashire Day, which is on the 23rd no. of October, even though you got it right by saying balls because it's actually on the 27th of November. Fantastic guess there, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) Queen Street, um, Queen Street Mill in Lancashire was featured in the Oscar-winning film The King's Speech. You said balls for that, and it is actually balls. And the infamous Blackpool illumination is 6.2 miles and not metres long. You said balls for that, and that was also balls. You got five out of five. And obviously that was purely down to your complete knowledge of Lancashire, because you (laughs) seem so confident with every answer. (laughs) My, my eldest, my eldest, on the quizzes we've been doing together has said that uh, you're really good at guessing true or false, aren't you, Dad? Knowledge. Another one. Another one. You won the world championship. <laughs> Mark, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on. It's it's great. Like I say, hopefully people will. You know, it, it's nice 
we've had a lot, we get a lot of comments where people talk about how it's nice to hear what players are actually like rather than talking about everything that they do in the game. So it's been really good. Great to have you on, Mark. And all I can say is obviously we wish you the best of luck and Lancashire Bulls. You've got a fantastic club with a lot of fantastic players, too many to mention. Um, and I, like I say, we just hope that you get something sorted in the near future. No, I really appreciate it. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed chatting away. And like you say, it's nice to just, everyone knows about the actual serious side of, of bowls, but it's good to try and portray that, you know, people do have a laugh when they're in and around the uh, the circuit and, you know, do get on and there are little bits of times where you can have uh, enjoyment on the bowling green as well. It's not always all awesome. Absolutely. And just, just remember, stick your head down again when we're playing against each other and I'll smash your head in. <laughs> <laughs> no, great stuff, Mark. And uh, Richie, I don't know if there's anything you want to add finally. No, I just wish you the best of luck in um, the indoor scene, mate. I hope, I hope you can find a solution to it. Obviously, for your career in bowls as well, Mark, well, it continues to go from strength to strength, and I've got no doubt it will. You never know, we might see those two boys on the green sometime in the future, but we'll wait and see. Fingers crossed. <laughs> cheers, mate. Great stuff, mate. All right, cheers. Thanks again, Mark. You take care, mate. All right, see you soon. Cheers, mate. And it's competition time. As always, thanks very much to Alex Marshall Sports. And the question for this week, Mark will love me for this one, but question is, who did Mark lose to in the first round of the Indoor World Championships prior to his World Championship winning year the following year? Send us the answers either by email on wrong.bias at hotmail.com, by messages either on Twitter or Facebook, or you can just drop us a comment on the Facebook page. Right, mate, another one bites of dust, another cracking show. Enjoyed the interview with Mark Dawes and Ian McComb. Yeah, two great interviews, um, both with um, some interesting chat. Um, like I say, really, really enjoyable talking with Ian, and, and it's, it is great. I, I love to see what benefits Just Ball does bring. And Mark, I've known for so many years, he's such a great guy, lovely, lovely guy, and great. Like I say, people may not see or, or hear the, the personality that comes across with Mark because he's, you know, he's a very quiet, unassuming guy. And, um, Just like yourself, like mate. Oh, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, I don't say boot a ghost me, do I? so yeah. uh, keep myself to myself mate that's right that's right well it's been a pleasure mate as always and uh, really big one big fi- one for the next one number 20 number 20 think we'd get there eh? fingers crossed we're not in lockdown I'll send you a hair clip in the post if we are <laughs> I need ribbons mate I'll, need, I'll be in bunches <laughs> never mind right oh, dogs, mate. what's what you doing you too take care thank you for listening and hope you've enjoyed the show This has been a dodgy production.